Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Grace Orlando Church's Bible study. We've been doing a series about the forgiveness that you never knew that you had. And just a quick review, so we know that we're completely forgiven of our iniquity, of our sin, and of our transgression. Now the next four weeks is going to be when you know you're forgiven, what comes out of your life. So we're going to talk about something that's really important today, is that it is finished. Well, Eric, you've said that before. Listen, there comes a point where you know it, but there comes a point where your experience and what you know come together and it becomes an actual reality and you start living out of that. Did you guys get that? See, when I understood that God loved me in my drug addiction, I got free from a drug addiction. When I found out that God loved me even when I was watching pornography, that set me free and I don't watch pornography anymore. So it's really important to know it is finished, which we know is the Greek word teleestai with the root word teleho. Ephesians 2.6, it says that he has raised us up together and has seated us together with Christ in heavenly places. This is your posture every day. Work's been finished. There's nothing left for you to do. Now, Eric, what's the difference between dead works and good works? I'm so glad you asked me that question this morning. <laughs> Dead works is you trying to do something that Jesus has already finished. Good works comes out of, because we know what he's already finished, good works like the fruit of the Spirit come out of us. And it's effortless. What happens is, is that the enemy, don't ever focus on him. He's never your focus. But what he'll try to do is bring you out of rest with his lies. And his lie is, number one lie, the work isn't finished. You need to finish it. And if he can get you there, it's not like you lose your salvation, but what will happen is, is that you'll be getting caught up and won't enjoy what's already been done. See, like people that believe that they have to confess their sins on a continuous basis to be forgiven. So what they're doing is the work's been finished, but they're getting up trying to finish the work. And then they sit back down when they think it's done, and then they get back up. And then they sit back down when they think it's done, and they get back up. They're not enjoying the forgiveness of sins that they already have. Amen? What comes out of our lives when we know that we're forgiven past, present, and future? Peace. See, I know this from experience, so I'll share it from my view. Every day, it was like a debt collector calling me again and again and again and again, reminding me that I had debt that no matter what I did, it was never enough to pay it. So, peace. I studied it in, in the Hebrew and the Greek for you guys. It really means rest. Let's break it down a little bit. The word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. A shin, a lamid, a vav, and a mem. Each one of these have a picture. Shin is a picture of teeth, which means to destroy. Lamid is a picture of a shepherd's staff, which means authority. Vav is a picture of a nail that joins and fastens two things together. And Mim is a picture of chaos. Who do you think is the author of chaos? Absolutely. So when you have peace, listen, it's him doing it, not you. He destroys the authority hooked to chaos in your life. That's why he wants you to remain in this posture. Now, how do we get that? 
I'm glad you asked that question. The root word for shalom is shalam. Booyah. What does that mean? To cease from paying debt. Why? Because restitution has already been made. Man, it's just such good news. It never gets old. Now, over here in the Greek, it's the Greek word Irene, where we get our English word Irene. So if your name's Irene and you're listening to this, your name means peace. What does it mean? To set at one again from being all over the place. We ever heard the uh, terminology like a chicken with their head cut off? That's what it's talking about. You're, remember Martha and Mary. Martha was running around like a chicken with her head cut off, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet hearing his word. See, this is how you keep coming back into rest, is by hearing his word and hearing his word and hearing his word. Eric, you know, it's been a few months now, and I've been hearing, but nothing's happened. Oh, it's coming. And when it comes, you're going to know it. And when you know it, you're going to live out of the truth and your experience being connected together as one. Okay, so let's look at a couple of these scriptures real quick where it is finished. It says that Jesus died to sin once and for all. The word sin is a noun. That means it's a person. Jesus took the place of all of us as that person of sin, and he was judged, condemned, and punished once and for all, and it never needs to be repeated again. This needs to be preached on a regular basis. And the reason why it does is because we can forget. Doesn't mean that it's still not in, it doesn't mean that it's ineffective. It just means for our benefit, for us to remember so that we can have peace and rest. And then we've got the word propitiation where we find it in Romans 3.25 that it's saying Jesus is our propitiation. This is the Greek word hilasterion. And what this word means is mercy seat. Jesus just wasn't bringing his own blood into the holy of holies in heaven, okay, which the ones on earth were just a picture of. He wasn't just doing that. He was the mercy seat and he was his blood so that we know the work is perfect and it has nothing to do with man's hands. That means it has nothing to do with our self-effort. Can you talk to Jesus about your sin? Absolutely. But you're not talking to him to get forgiven. You're talking to him because you're already forgiven. And when you know a debt's been paid, you have no problem talking to the person about it. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to give you a picture of this word propitiation. This is God's overpayment for your sin. Why would God have to overpay? Because he wanted on a just foundation to be give you all the blessings that have been tied up in his heart since the beginning of time for him to lavish you with. So I'm going to give an example. Okay, so Nikki, say you had a real nice bike that you loved and you used it for exercise and you pay $500 for it. Okay, and uh, I said, hey, can I borrow your bike? Well, I borrowed your bike and I was crossing through an intersection and the car was about to hit me. I jumped off, but your bike didn't make it. Now, if I just went out and brought you, bought you a brand new one of the same bike, you'd be okay with that. But what if I pulled up with a brand new Ferrari? You would completely forget about the debt of the bike that I owed you because you had an overpayment. But that doesn't even explain what Jesus paid. Now, forget the Ferrari. What if I gave you a dealership of Ferraris? That would even be better. But, that, but we're not done yet. What if I gave you the entire Ferrari factory and you were the owner and CEO and everything was in your name and you owned it all and you could drive any Ferrari you wanted anytime you wanted? See, God was overpaid in such a way that he has totally forgotten about the debt we owed because the price that we paid was so above and beyond, it goes on and on and we can never measure it. Just like you can't measure God's love, you can't measure his forgiveness. He says, as far as the east is to the west, 
That means he's the center of all eternity, and as it goes out in everything in both directions, you can never meet ever again in a point of time. Guess what? That's how forgiving your sins are. Amen? Okay, Romans 4.18. So let's start looking at some of these scriptures. I would advise you to take these scriptures, to put them somewhere where you can remember them every day. That's part of the renewing of the mind process. And remember these scriptures to the point that you memorize them, that you could just be walking through the day and all of a sudden you have thoughts that hit you saying the work's not finished. In whatever way that comes, and you're like, no, the Word of God says this. You don't have to go look for a Bible. You don't have to look it up real quick. You got it, and it's there, and you can speak that over your life. Amen? Amen. So Romans 4.18, it says this, Blessed. Here, I, I had a revelation. I was sitting there working on my motorcycle yesterday. Well, I was detailing it because I'm an OCD freak. Okay, so I got to keep it clean. They've seen it. They know. They got to keep it clean. You know what I'm saying? I think, like When I walk in, I'll be like, bam, you look good. You know what I mean? And um, so uh, do you know what the law does? That's not bad. The law binds God's hands from blessing. Hands are the picture God uses to bless. The law binds his hands from blessing. Why? Because you have to keep the law, and you can't just keep the law, you've got to keep all of the law. And if you, if you don't keep it in one point, you failed in all points. That's why it's so dangerous mixing law and grace together, because you nullify both covenants, and they become not useful, because you never see the severity of sin, and you never see how great God's grace really is. Amen? So this scripture is Romans 4.8. Blessed is the man into whom the Lord will not impute sin. This is in chapter 4, okay? I love the chapter 4 of Romans. I mean, Paul's just breaking it down. Now, that doesn't qualify if somebody doesn't sin. It only qualifies is when you do sin. So that you know when you do sin that you're blessed because the Lord, his hands extended to you, because the Lord will not, double negative, may will not impute sin ever again. So the word uh, for imputation is logizomihi, and it means to take an inventory, a complete inventory, and set it to somebody's account. Do you know that God took a complete inventory of all your sins and that he set it to Jesus' account and he judged, condemned, and punished his son Jesus in our place to where God was so satisfied that Jesus could literally cry out, it is finished. And now all of us that are in him, this is how we can live our lives now. And what you'll find is you rest. You'll be noticing the Lord leading you to do things. But those aren't, those aren't uh, dead works. Those are good works. But when you're always busy trying to do a work that's already been done, you can miss out sometimes on doing what he really has for you to do, which is through a posture of rest. Amen? And again, hear the word sin, hamateria. It's a noun. So it's a person, it's a place, and a thing. Think about it like this. You used to be the person of sin, but Jesus became that. You used to live in the country of sin, but Jesus became that. You used to do sinful things, but Jesus took that. And that person died and passed away. That word passed means to change places. He took your place so you could take his place. And it's done once and for all, and there's nothing you ever need to do again to finish it. Amen? John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, past tense, you already have it. Once you do that, you already have it, has everlasting life. 
And you shall not come into judgment, which is the Greek word krisis, which means be under accusation anymore because you pass from death unto life. In other words, the wages of sin used to be death, but because Jesus died in your place, now you have but gives life and life more abundantly through Jesus Christ. And that uses that word past, changed place, metabaino. You change places. Listen, you have a new identity. You have a new address. You're a new person. Whatever used to be behind you is no more in God's sight. Doesn't mean that you still don't see things, but that's not how God sees them. Oh, if we could only see into the eyes of God how he sees us and see the reflection of how we look to him, it would totally change the way we live our lives. So I shared, with, I shared with the girls at the Bible study. I remember I was a drug addict for 15 years. I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a thief. I was all these horrible things. Even seven years into, you know, uh, going to church and, you know, trying to learn how to do the right things because that's basically what church only taught me. I remember one day I was sitting in our house. It was actually an apartment. I remember the small, still voice of the Lord impressed upon my heart to look at a picture that was on the wall in our apartment. And it was neither male nor female, but it was a voice. And I heard that voice clear as day. It said, do you see the picture on the wall? And I was like, within myself, I said, yeah, I see the picture. And he says, that's how I see you. It was a picture of my wife in her wedding dress. He saw me as his bride without spot or blemish, perfect in every way. And at that moment, something connected that I didn't understand and it became real to me and my life started to change out of that. Amen. See, until the change happens inside, nothing will happen outside because we're not changed from the outside in. That's the law, which the law can never be fulfilled because we keep trying to change and change. But if you change it for that day, the next day you fail and then it's continued work trying to change and change and change yourself from the outside. It will never work. But when he changes something on the inside, you're changed. You will never be the same in that area again. Okay, so John 20, 19, and 20. I love this. This is uh, all, all of the uh, disciples are up in the upper room, and um, they got the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Why? The Jews were persecuting people, okay? And they're all in there, and Jesus, because he's got a new body after resurrection, he, tra he you know, trans uh, passes uh, time and space. So he just ends up in the middle of the room, and you know the first thing he said? Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. Irene, peace be unto you. Quit running around with, like a chicken with your head cut off. Peace be unto you. And then you know what he did? He showed him his hands and his side. The price has been paid. And you know what it said after that? All the disciples were glad. We should hear this and be glad. Amen? So why all this to have, you know, peace because we're forgiven? What's the purpose of all of it? You know, uh, I walked in and Melissa was talking about God's got a purpose for everybody. Oh, you bet. And here, let me give you a little word for you that are in this room and that are going to be listening to this on the podcast. I don't care what you've done. God is not finished with his plan for your life. Your age doesn't matter. What you've done doesn't matter. Where you live doesn't matter. None of that matters. God surpasses all of that. And he isn't finished bringing to pass what he has promised you. That's just the truth. At this moment, it might not look like it, but that doesn't mean God's not behind the scenes working on that to bring it to come to pass in your life. And by the way, when he does, it's going to be better than what you thought it was. The whole purpose is so you know God's on your side. 
Just in my life and, and the life of working with people in gangs, you know why they join a gang? Because they want to belong. They want to feel like somebody has their back. We, me and my wife have worked with these people for the last two decades, and I understand it. But that's just a sh mere shadow of what God has to do, because when God has their back, that really makes the difference. God is for you. Now listen to this, Romans 8, 31 and 32. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who? By the way, who is the Greek word tis? It means who or what? Who or what can be against you? And then it goes on and it says, I love, this is one of my favorite scriptures, but he did not spare his own son. In other words, when Jesus stepped up to the plate and took our judgment, condemnation, and punishment, guess what? God didn't hold back. He didn't treat him like he was a son. He treated him like he was a sinner. Why do you think on the cross from the 12th to the third hour, okay, that they, that they went from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we would know that God would never leave us nor forsake us. God's on your side. So what is the benefit of God being on your side? Three things, right? Provision, protection, purpose. The triple P's, provision, protection, purpose. Now, do you know in Hebrews 4.10, it talks about God has ceased from his works, therefore we also ought to cease from ours. Now, that's a reference back from Genesis where it says God rested on the seventh day. Why did he rest? Not because he was tired, but because the work was finished. There's nothing left to do. If you have a project and you finish it and there's nothing else you can do to it, what do you do? Sit on down. The seventh letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Zayin. So just in case you didn't know, every Hebrew letter has a numeric value. It's not like we have one, two, three, and then we have A, B, C. They have Aleph, Bet, Gimel, one, two, three. Okay, so the seventh letter. So this is referring to, to seven. On the seventh day, God rested because the work was finished. That was just a shadow type of the work that his son would finish and that now we can rest. That is, he has ceased from his works, we can cease from ours. So it's Zayin. Everybody say Zayin. Okay, and it's a picture of half tool and half weapon. The tool does work for you so that you can be provided for, and the weapon protects you. Are you guys getting this? I mean, this God, only God could line stuff like this up. Okay, so that's Zayin. So he's going to provide for you and he's going to protect you. And we need to hear this, especially what we're all going through right now. This is no joke, what we're going through, but we know we have because of Jesus finishing the work, we have someone that's going to provide for us and he's going to protect us. Man, you know how, I'm, listen, I have had things happen to me where I was so close to death, I thought it was all over. And this is even when I wasn't a believer. He was still protecting me because he knew exactly where I was going to receive him. See, Jesus can do things that people haven't received yet because it's already been paid for. He can still give it away freely. Grace. Isn't that such good news? So if you've got somebody out there that has just been running amok and they're running wild and they're not even saved yet, you can pray for them. God will protect them. Amen? So what about purpose? What's God's purpose for our lives? Now, I, I did do a whole uh, class on plan versus purpose. They're not the same thing. But will I tell you this, before the plan can come to pass, the purpose has to come to pass. Let me say that one more time. Before the plan can come to pass, the purpose has to come to pass. So let's look at the scriptures. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know all things work together for the good 
to those who love God. By the way, that's not us loving God. That's the, that, that is the Greek, uh, the Greek word, uh, for, which is agape. So it's his love that he loves us with. We love him back. So it says, uh, and we know all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those which are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he predestined, here it is, to be conformed into the image of his son. What is this talking about? He's trying to take who you are in your spirit and bring it out here so that people can see it. What did, what did Jesus say? Let your light so shine so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Good works are for your man, they're not for God. Why? Because Jesus did the best good work and nobody could ever match that. But it's for man's benefit. So that, so that word conformed, to be conformed into the image of Christ. So what, is that, what does that mean? What it, what it literally means is that your form is changed by you being in Christ. Your form is changed. Oh, it's, a, it's, the, it's, the, it's almost the same word as transform, like metamorpha. So to change form. But, you're, but it used soon morpha. That's what it is, soon morpha. And so what it literally means is because you abide in Christ, your form from the inside out is changed. There's nothing for you to do. Well, Eric, how can I not do anything and expect something to happen? Why? Because there's somebody working in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. He works in you. That word work is energio. And guess what? That is the word we get for energy. See, if you don't eat food and then you expect to go exercise, you won't have the strength to go exercise. But if you eat food and it breaks down and turns into energy, you'll be able to exercise. Well, because he's working in you and it's his divine energy working in you, guess what? He's going to take what you are on the inside and he's going to bring it on the outside. That way, no man shall boast. We'll all know that it was only by him working in us to willing to do for his good pleasure. So then it goes on. It says, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Justified, made righteous. That means you have right standing with God. And it's equated that the same standing Jesus has with God, you have with God. And guess what that creates? Oh, you're going to love this. So it's the word glorified. See, we think, uh, you know, of God's glory as, oh, in, present, in his presence. And, that, and, and that is there. We're not, to, we're not saying that. But that's not what this word's talking about. This word for glorified is doxa. Do you know what it means? To have a good opinion of someone. God has a good opinion of you because you've been justified. Let me say that again. God has a good opinion of you because you've been justified. Think about that for a second. Let's take it to one more step. The same way that God the Father has towards the Son as far as a good opinion, that's the same good opinion He has towards you because you're in Christ. Amen. So as we look at all this, we know God's purpose is to bring out Jesus in all of our lives that they may see the light, which is our good works, and that they glorify your Father in heaven. That's it. And then as we're doing that, guess what? Now he gets your purpose. Now, I'm going to pray for you guys that, because this is what I felt when I was going through this teaching, that you find out what your purpose is. See, I thought I knew what my purpose was. And you know what happens as you move forward with him, as you're going forward in time? Things change. I thought I was going to be a children's pastor for the rest of my life. I did children's ministry for about nine years. And then one day I didn't have a desire for it anymore. 
And what ended up happening? I started with youth ministry that I never wanted to do. I never wanted to be in charge of youth. And then what happens? He gave me a desire for that. And we were, we were youth pastors for seven years. And then after that, he gave me a desire again for hurting, broken people. Not that they, they weren't all, but remember, with children's ministry and with youth ministry, there's a lot of prevention involved. We're trying to get, get them to a place where they know who they are and live that out before they get to a place where they've already you know, ruined 10, 15 years of their lives. And now my desire is to, is to teach and to go out and to minister to hurting, broken people. It changed. So what does he have? And maybe you've been at a place where nothing's been happening and you're like, what am I supposed to do? You don't have to go out and make stuff up. Guess what you can do? You can ask him and he'll show you what he has for you. He'll start giving you visions. He'll start having people come up and confirm things to you. He'll start showing you what you're going to be doing in these last days. Because can I tell you what people need to see? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they need to see you like this. Because when they see you like this, this isn't of this world. Are you hearing me? They're going to see the rest that we have the, or the peace that we have, bless you, okay? And they're going to say, that doesn't look like anything we know. And guess what? They're going to be like, explain that to me. And we're going to have a door open where the heart's open and we can speak life and people can get saved. Do you know there's going to be more people saved in these last days than all the people that ever were before us? Are you guys hearing me? Yeah. And so let's pray that for all of us. I know what he's got a desire for me to do now, and that's great. I'm not fully into it yet, but it's coming at the right place and the right time. But I want to, for you and all that are going to be listening to this podcast, I want to pray for you guys that God show you exactly what it is that he wants you to be doing. Amen. Father, I just thank you, whether it's through revelation, whether it's through the word of God, whether it's through somebody prophesying, whatever it may be, how you want to get this to them, show them why they're here and let them get excited about it. Let them start to have dreams and visions about it. Let them start to get in a place where what's inside is going to be coming outside and that you're going to do such an amazing work that it's going to satisfy them and quench a thirst that they haven't had quenched in a long time. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.